The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The heart of a man is insatiable. What you're about to hear is based on actual events. Listener discretion is advised. The House of Justice stands sentinel on Socialist Street. There are no birds about it, no colors save the dull gray of endless overcast. The citizens who file into the brick courthouse wear expressions of contempt. Their purpose here is nationwide news, the last great failure of the old regime, the first incredible success of the new guard. Haven't you heard? They've snared a wolf. Inside, every utterance evokes rumor of the Rostov Butcher, a monster responsible for tearing apart over 50 women and children. Citizens furtively glance towards militia men who usher them ahead. The Soviet bloc is disintegrating. The people, as a result, are tentative, skittish even. Western journalists float in amongst the press, an overly inconspicuous demeanor betraying the small sect. To the throng, they register as youth ducking into an X-rated film. It is an impossible place to act anything but unnatural. The collected focus is on a large, ugly cage that hulks to one side of the courtroom. The plan, clearly, is to put the accused on display. This will be a spectacle. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As the pew-like benches begin to fill, the crowd becomes immediately restless. Most are family of the many victims and want badly to lay eyes on the man responsible for the destruction of their loved one. Anxious hands ring together, nervous heels tap hardwood. A beast is coming. They can sense its presence. Down below the rattling floorboards, Andre Chikatilo waits to be escorted up the staircase before him. His freshly shaven head itches, but he dare not move. The guards lack patience and mercy. Above he hears announcement of the Sudya's arrival, his judge. The overhead lamp begins to swing slightly as the many feet above graduate from tapping to pounding. A gavel smacks the unruly audience into acceptable form, which stills the bright light. Andre stares into it, his gaze lost and blind behind the thick lenses of his eyeglasses. Then the hand on his forearm tenses, and he is moving up the stairs and into the cage. Chikatilo's arrival feels like an explosion. A brief sucking wind as his presence ignites the bomb, then the ripping, tearing pressure of the crowd trying to scream him to death. He cuts an unimpressive figure, chained between two imposing escorts. His pale blue eyes are marbles loose in the confines of his skull, rolling over everything and resting on nothing. He's a jittery, unwell thing a half-poisoned cockroach twitching on the floor, waiting for the boot. A woman darts over the banister and swipes at him, barely restrained in time by the militia. His glasses skid over the courtroom floor, where a guard first steps on, then picks up his twisted frames and pushes them into the prisoner's hands, taking care not to make skin-to-skin -skin contact. A small scratch is reddening beside Chikatilo's eye, a near miss. He rubs it and returns the spectacles to his face. He looks like a bookkeeper or a third-rate attorney. An unexpected sense of fulfillment arrives as the special-made cage clangs shut behind him. Left to face the full brunt of the crowd on his own, Chikatilo revels. This is what he longed to feel when prancing around the forest, holding the innards of children up to the sky, smashing bloody fingers into his mouth and greedily cleaning them. The indifference of nature and God had always disappointed him. But this, this was provocative. The sensation is as if butterflies were escaping from his stomach into his penis. The result is a rare and terrified erection. 
the butcher was expected to feign madness in order to avoid the bullet, but his behavior now makes those who doubt his instability take pause. Chikatilo lets the little shock of sexual arousal buzz at the nape of his neck. He looks skyward, eyelids clamping shut as he works to maintain the sensation past its fading. It breaks over him and waves until he finally loses it, reluctantly opening his eyes, licking his lips, and appearing refreshed. Like a zoo bear disturbed from sleep, he nonchalantly scans the audience, taking mental note of where the press sit. They are his conduit to the true jury, the masses. His face contorts into a myriad of chaotic expression, much of it directed towards the cameras. The crowd, offended by his performance, comes completely undone. A pounding gavel drowned out by their ferocious response. The Sudya repeatedly slams his gavel, but to no avail. Guards take large mouthfuls of water from jugs and spew a disgusting mist over the chaos in a desperate attempt to cool things off. This amuses Chikatilo. He awkwardly spins his hands like an orchestrator before his truncheon slams into the bars. The prisoner wisely takes a seat. A large mocking grin remains, however, draped across his face, as if nailed there those eyes still wild and uncertain. He makes a mockery of the trial on this day, and every other day over the months, as the litany of horrors are painstakingly read off by the Sudya. There's no telling how it could be better if he composed himself like a man, but the damage is done. The crowd shouted and cajoled into silence by the threat of removal frequently come unhinged regardless. For a time, it is only the echoes of Chikatilo's grating chatter, fluttering about the room like wounded pigeons. The Sidia gives up on ordering the prisoner to shut up and presses forward with his duty. An old woman breaks the silence first. Unable to maintain the stony calm she and the other babushkas have stoically held thus far. Her diatribe of mourning joins the prisoner's muttering, creating an auditory soup of insanity. The mother of one of the many murdered children faints as the raw emotion swells once again. Insults and promises of excruciating death are hurled at the cage. The gavel pounds incessantly, lending to the chaos rather than dulling it. The Sudya soon moves forward despite this disorder, a situation the beast in the cage could sympathize with. Chikatilo had been faced with similar rooms when all this began roughly 20 years earlier, at a nondescript schoolhouse in rural Russia, a setting where he first began to realize that he was a mistake of nature.
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus it wasn't his calling the teenage students had no respect for him they could sense from the moment he spoke in his matter-of-fact way that was meant to convey confidence but belied uncertainty due to his mannerisms and appearance, that he was going to be their suka, their bitch. It was the 70s, and the Soviet youth were hard. He attempted to take control back, but his hesitant demeanor in the beginning had doomed his authority. Paper airplanes veered through storm clouds of cigarette smoke, clouds that had plumed defiantly from ruby-red lips that stretched into daring elastic smiles upon the noted faces of his more defiant students. Eventually, Mr. Chikatilo resigned himself to his situation. He wasn't comfortable in Scola. Why should he have been? His own days of learning had been full of anxiety and humiliation. This was just picking up where he'd left off. Deep study and relentless pursuit of academic accolades had done nothing to advance him socially. He was still just a big ox with the brains and empty testicles. His teaching style consisted of retreating behind his desk after assigning the day's work and hiding behind a newspaper, pretending not to notice the hijinks and horseplay before him. From time to time, he'd peer past the propaganda and out through his thick glasses to appreciate the build of a blossoming young female. And soon... Once he'd established himself as a secondary entity of the room, he began taking small laps out into it, offering counsel to the most timid little girls, sitting much too close, 
and staying way too long by their side as chaos ensued about their closed circle of Pierce proxemics. Fellow teachers had been given the impression that Mr. Chikatilo, even though he presented as awkward and introverted, was a rising star in their world. However, it quickly became obvious that the height was hyperbole. The rare moments in which their new peer decided to include himself in staff discussions were clumsy and painful. It was as if he didn't listen, rather waited for his turn to speak. And when he did, it was a torrent of out-of-place, over-marinated drivel that elicited the same response as students had taken to providing. Amused indifference. They labeled their new co-worker the Goose for the way he meandered about, back straight, head pecking around as if in search of insects, a head that would fix once certain it was being observed and soon toddle off on its wobbly perch to some imagined task. Potential comrades soon took to ignoring the goose, which played well for Chikatilo, who in step with the apathy he'd elicited, began to lift his knuckle-headed knees at a renewed pace that soon caught up to his predatory inclination. He developed a habit of walking into the locker rooms while students were changing. It was a joke amongst them to imitate their odd instructor's heavy breathing and slack expression, his hand hard at work in the pocket of his chinos as he feigned supervision. No one can know that Chikatilo had begun crossing the line in his private life as well, discreetly jamming his fist down the pants of his six-year-old niece whenever the opportunity presented itself. Come here, sweet bread. Aren't you a big girl? Let's see how you've grown. Revelation comes to Chikatilo after class one dreary afternoon. He holds a female student behind for a lecture on bad grades. He's been confining women, girls, in his own little way for a while now, even if just by standing in front of them. Look at her sitting because I told her so. She and the others had their fun at my expense, but the tables have turned. Here I am now, and there you are, little girl. You soft little thing. I wonder. Does Chikatilo move first or do his hands? They are all over her, slipping into the folds of her clothing, pushing and prodding and now pulling despite how she squirms against him. Tighter then, tighter. How do you like this? The girl struggles violently now, trying to free herself from Mr. Chikatilo's clutches. She's shrunk from his initial touch, not wanting to believe that he'd go further. But he does go further. Much further. His hands run over her body as if searching for contraband. She's helpless under the man's deceptive strength, and it's only when his entire body goes rigid, his mouth breathing a wet, disgusting sigh into her ear, that she breaks loose as his grip relents. The goose has become something else entirely now. He stumbles to the classroom door and adjusts himself before turning to the frightened girl. His eyes are glassy and black in the dim light. He is looking directly at her, a rare thing. There is something approaching from deep inside that blackness, the light of an anglerfish floating into view for the first time, surfacing. When he finally exits, locking the door behind him in a weak attempt to contain what he had done, the violated student escapes through a window and runs home. A complaint is filed by her parents, but nothing becomes of it.
Late at night, many months later in the privacy of his den, Chikatilo relives the attack. The recollection of palpable fear brings him a static wave of pleasure. This is a sensation that no woman, not even his wife, had ever generated in him. Something in the past that he'd been forced to create on his own through dark fantasy. Fantasy now weakened in its potency by this new knowledge of there being a more delicious way to unlock his virility. A kerosene lantern glows orange, spreading warm illumination across the teacher's concentrated and sweat-beaded face. His transfer after the attack is bothersome. It's not clear why he's been assigned a new scola, so he's behaved himself, just to be safe. His new pupils have tempted him, dropping pencils, bending over, licking lips. He thinks of the upcoming swimming trip, a trip he's arranged for the sole purpose of getting his students into revealing attire for his perusal. He checks in on what he thinks of as his pink passion, an ever-present urge that burns bright red as of late, but at the moment is a gray rock. The teacher removes a rough hand from his open trousers, dissatisfied as per usual, and dials down the flame until he is one with the dark. Chikatilo joins his class in the water. The girl that he playfully chases away from the others, splashing and whooping behind her, doesn't understand immediately what's happening. Suddenly, the beach is small, and there's only him and the ice-cold fingers of the deepest section of the reservoir brushing her legs. He hurts her, pinching, pulling, twisting. He collects her into his arms, her face terrified, mouth dancing just at the surface of the water. She's too shocked to scream. From the beach, the sounds of laughter cease. Careful now. He is aware they are being observed, but the girl's body is a hard, warm thing against him in the water. Her dignity is in his hands. He is ruining it. Chikatilo realizes he could kill her if he wanted. She finally manages to scream, and he puts his mouth against her ear. It is cold and wet. She is shivering. Scream louder. The request shocks the girl, and for a moment she stills. Chikatilo continues to roughly molest her, water silently churning below as he does so. She tries to scream, but all that comes out is a wretched sob. It more than suffices. He stiffens, released by her fear, and slowly begins to loosen his grip as he comes back to reality. The girl is crying hard now. Mr. Chikatilo looks at her blankly, and after a small final struggle, releases her wrist. She propels herself away, then swims hard towards the beach, looking back to be sure her attacker doesn't follow. He doesn't. He is still. 
simply treading water as if in ecstasy. His eyes bob at the surface like a crocodile's as he processes the incident. Her breasts, her body, none of that gave him what he wanted. It was something else. She climbs ashore with help from the others, and soon after, Chikatilo is transferred to a remote mining area of Rostov, so bleak that the Soviets had simply named it Shakti, mines in Russian. He will supervise the youngsters of a boys' technical school in their dormitory, ensuring the future mine workers grow up strong enough to smash the stone and smart enough to at least work a pickaxe. Citizen Chikatilo arrives in Shakti, a changed man. There is a new taste on his tongue. The goose is dead, and the ripper has come to Rustoff. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This change of scenery serves citizen Chikatilo well. He now has an entire boy's dormitory under his charge to stock with impunity every night. His silhouette makes routine appearances at the doorways of these young men while they sleep. Those who feign dozing soon hear the grunts of exertion their strange new headmaster often emits in these instances. The boys joke amongst one another, as all of Chikatilo's students eventually do, imitating the behavior a few have witnessed after opening their eyes slightly. They laugh in the daytime, when a boy hunches and feverishly mimics Mr. Chikatilo's furious masturbation through pant pocket, but at night, each are terrified. What they can't reproduce are the cold eyes and the oppressive sense of danger. He's starting to enter the rooms, pulling back blankets as if to make sure the boys are asleep. This is not his true intent, of course. He wants to see their flesh, an exposed nipple, a flat stomach. Inevitably, He's overcome with a desire for contact, a desire that overwhelms him and morphs into a need one night while drinking in the flesh of a sleeping 15-year-old boy. The boy wakes up to the familiar grunts and gasps from Mr. Chikatilo, but this time he's much closer than the doorway or bedside. He's under the blanket, 
his rough face buried into the young man's abdomen. The boy yells out, and the writhing, slobbering mass under his covers slowly removes blunt fingers from the elastic of the underwear it was about to rip down, then darts from the room like a wraith. Chikatilo hopes that the boy will stay quiet, perhaps even chalk the incident up as a nightmare, but no such luck. The students band together after learning of the attack and confront their headmaster, threatening to beat him to death. It's soon after this that Chikatilo obtains a new job as a supply clerk, which affords him the opportunity to travel the nation to pursue his degeneracies. He secretly purchases a shack for this purpose at an address on Mezavoy Lane in Shakti, a nest of utter depravity where he, in 1978, took the life of his first victim, nine-year-old Yelena Zakanova. mention of a young Lena transforms the courtroom into a symphony hall of screams and adulations. Yet another elderly woman lunges over the banister at Chikatilo, fingers like claws. A guard and several men who look to be relatives reel her back in. Andre screams at her, and them, and then at the ceiling, making nonsense words with his mouth. Poka, 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 poka. That was the sound she made on approach. He spotted the girl through exhaust smoke as he disembarked the tired old Avtobus. Its fading moan soon replaced with the little darling's song. The plan was to spend the evening at his secret dacha, where he liked to sit some nights and be alone. His wife could be domineering, so a hideaway he felt was a necessity. Of course, it doubled as a pleasure den, to which the occasional half-starved vagrant could be led, where once inside, they could wither under his dark gaze, never turning down his proposal of a meal and drink in exchange for the rough sex he now craved. She was like a Christmas present, and it was December, you see, and very cold. She wore a bright red coat and wobbled from foot to foot in the snow. You know how children are. He had some of his own, of course. And she was such a bundle, it appeared as if she might topple over at any moment. He asked her, what was the matter? Told her that fathers, like he, could tell when children were in need of something. They walked together, and he learned... She was returning from a companion's house. It wasn't long before she shared her pressing issue, that she had to urinate. Badly. His years spent working with children paid off when young Lena, now feeling as if she were with a friend rather than a stranger, eagerly accepted his proposal that she come with him down the dark streets that led to his discreet dacha. Not only could she relieve herself there, she could warm up. He'd fix her a hot cocoa.
Chikatilo locks the shack's door once they enter, then summons his red passion. It wasn't as short a walk as he'd promised, and the girl, who's anxious to be directed to a toilet, screams when the man abruptly turns and exposes what he is to her. A devil. He's not afraid she'll make noise. He expects that. That, in fact, is why he bought the hovel on Mesavoy Lane. It was isolated, private, a place he could bring those he'd picked up off the street for a late-night snack. The girl wets herself in fear as he approaches, pounces, and tears off her pants. Outside, there is nothing but the early December darkness, a starless sky. He hurts her like he hurts all of them, pinching, prodding, twisting. She has only the slightest idea what's happening to her. She understands she's probably going to die, although death is just a feeling to someone of that age. A sort of hole you didn't know existed, until you're suddenly in it. Her attacker is muttering to himself, repeating over and over a word she doesn't quite understand. Impotent. Frustrated, Chikatilo jams his fingers inside the child, tearing her virginity and covering his knuckles in blood. He has committed the ultimate sin. He holds his bloody fingers up to the light and experiences a full erection. What dark god he's been called upon to worship has shown him the way. He rubs himself against the child, stabbing her tiny body over and over again, mimicking intercourse with a folding knife as he comes to orgasm. He slices open her torso and rummages through her guts, feeding his depraved sexual urges with the psychic energy of her extraordinary pain. She dies as he baptizes himself in what remains of her, pulling her organs free of her body while touching and feeling every part of her. The ecstasy fades, and Chikatilo descends back into his own pathetic and virile body. His filthy shack is all the more disgusting for the sin he's committed. Like some horrendous fairy tale beast, he's fed to his delight on a careless youth, torn her to pieces, and violated every part of her. He cleans up the best he can, gathering the girl, her parts, and her backpack to throw in the river across from his dacha. Under a cold moon, the Gershevka River manages to drag the dead girl a short ways before she is hung up on some branches. Her red coat is spotted from a bridge two days later, on Christmas Eve. Chikatilo does a fair amount of hand-wringing in the interim. The body didn't float anywhere near as far as he'd expected it to. The community learns of how badly the girl died and Mesavoy Lane is scoured stem to stern for the man who did this unspeakable thing. But it isn't Chikatilo that they find. Officials arrest a 25-year-old man who lives almost directly behind where young Lena is spotted. A felon recently released from a hard labor camp for the rape and murder of a girl when he was 17. The authorities, fueled by the indignant rage of the populace and pressure to solve the case quickly, beat a confession out of the wrong man and plant the dead girl's blood in his house. The state parades their patsy around and executes him swiftly. The girl is buried. Her family moves on. As far as the province of Rostov is concerned, no one need fear their children might get snatched up off the street, raped, mutilated, and dropped dead by the road. For the first time in his life, 
things are going Andrea Chikatilo's way. The villain has won. The beast is free. It knows the taste of blood and it wants more. Chikatilo considers himself to be a mistake of nature, a poisoned wolf. But to the closely controlled media, who will realize all too late the incredible danger that citizens are in, the Butcher of Rostov is born. Monstro is an Incongruity Media production. If you've enjoyed this experience, please subscribe and leave a positive review. You can find out more by searching for Monstro Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or visit us at monstropodcast.com. This show is produced, hosted, and written by Jack Luna and Mike Boudet. Additional writing by Tyler Bell and Evan Ziegelman. Research by Hagar Barak. Sound design and editing by Jonathan McMichael and Robert Ravelli. Original score by Leon Rogers. Art by Denny Ray. <laughs>